0: The race is on, and Red Bull's request to review Lewis Hamilton's British Grand Prix penalty in the hope of securing a harsher punishment has been rejected. But the war of words has continued today in the Hungaroring paddock. I'm Ed Straw and I'm joined by Scott Mitchell to explain what's happened and the implications on the title battle. Well, we'll dive straight into it because there's lots to talk about, but first let's just stress what this was. This was not a review of the penalty, but effectively the pre-hearing which was to judge whether or not Red Bull had brought the required new evidence to the table to justify reopening the case. For a review to be approved, the FIA's International Sporting Code demands the production of a significant and relevant new element which was unavailable to the party seeking the review at the time of the decision concerned. So Scott, what did Red Bull submit and why wasn't it enough?
1: So Red Bull's case was partly based on GPS data that was available to the stewards at the time of the original decision and partly its own simulated events. And the stewards' summary stated that Red Bull's evidence consisted of several slides that showed GPS data of Hamilton and Verstappen going into COPS, GPS data from Hamilton's successful pass on Charles Leclerc at COPS later in the race, uh, alleged lap simulations of the incident and a reenactment of Hamilton's line based on a lap allegedly driven by Alex Albon. Um, I, I think you can tell from that list itself why the petition was dismissed. It was dismissed on the grounds that Red Bull's new evidence uh, w- was not new evidence at all. It, and It certainly wasn't discovered. It was created by the team specifically for the purpose of submission. And obviously, the use of GPS data from Hamilton and Verstappen um that that was data that that was already there at, at the time so the stewards concluded that red bull clearly didn't satisfy the requirements to merit a review so it means that hamilton's original 10 second time penalty stands so does his race win the gap in the championship stays at 8 points so none of none of that changed um it's it's inter- the interesting thing to me in in the specifics of what red bull submitted is it it was clearly a long way from being successful. And I look at that and I can't see any situation where you see that stuff on paper and actually think it's going to be successful, even in just getting the review in the first place. So is there some ulterior motive here that we're missing from Red Bull? Because I can't believe that that was ever likely to... Anyone sensible looking at that would think, yeah, we've got a case here, they're definitely going to accept this.
0: Red Bull basically are tilting at windmills here, aren't they? There's... No chance this was going to go through because there's a reason why it has to be new evidence because if it's not tangible new evidence, then the right to review can be applied to anything. All Red Bull have done is repackaged everything that was already available to the stewards or tried to add their own inadmissible evidence to that in order to get the review open. Now, regardless of where you stand on the incident, you can think that Hamilton deserved a 10-race ban if you want, but you can still understand why this review was not accepted because disgruntlement at the penalty, unhappiness with there not being further punishment, all of that being irritated about the $1.8 million cost, all of that is irrelevant. None of that matters when it comes to whether you trigger a review. It's about the new evidence. And I'm I'm flabbergasted that Red Bull thought this would happen because you've got to have something new. And they absolutely didn't. The precedents are clear on this. You have to have something new. Those who've got a review successfully to happen have had that in the past, which is why usually these fail, because there is so much evidence available to the stewards.
1: It it, it reflects really poorly on Red Bull, not just because of the fact that it's um, quite, uh, I want to say laughable, to be honest, because uh, they've obviously gone to extreme lengths and and extreme costs as well. And putting Albon on track, in an old car to be able to carry out this reenactment, that's not the work of a moment. So they they were clearly committed to to the case, which is why I think there must be some kind something we're missing. Whether they were whether they were just trying to get the stewards to in another separate document to 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 state that Hamilton was to blame or, or something something like this. What, what what were they trying to achieve? Because because yeah, that's that so called evidence isn't evidence in the slightest. Um to go through all of that effort and expense. With no realistic chance of it working in the in the obvious and traditional uh sense of petitioning for a review that it just doesn't make sense to me, so it looks really bad on them because it looks like they've just been total chances and made a made a mockery of this opportunity really that you know the legislation exists to you know to challenge legitimately challenge things in a serious way, and I think you could argue that rebel haven't done that. And also it reflects really badly on them because they've somehow turned a situation where they had the the high ground initially. Verstappen was the aggrieved party. The stewards did side with Red Bull. They blamed Hamilton. And here we are less than two weeks later and now all of a sudden everyone's pointing the finger at Red Bull and, and, and mocking them for what they've done. So this is just it seems like a loss in every sense for Red Bull. And again, unless there's something I'm missing.
0: Well, it's crazy because there have been cases where the right to review has been used to get a steward's verdict that changes something. The Imola-Alfa Romeo protest of this year, not a protest, a right to review, they reconsidered the evidence having accepted the review and they pointed out there were problems with conflicting regulations. The stewards ruled that. didn't actually change the result, but it led to tangible change. Now, if Red Bull wanted to do that, this would be a legitimate path. But in order for that to happen, you haven't just got to get your foot in the door, you've got to get through the door. To actually sell that. So that would only have happened if they'd reopened the case, which it doesn't sound like they got very near doing. So I don't really understand what they were trying to get. All they seem to have done is, like you say, sacrifice the moral high ground. I'm quite happy with that incident as a racing incident. If you're going to penalise someone, certainly I can see the argument for penalising Hamilton. And I think, again, you can say that even Red Bull suffered. They did have the high ground, they did have sympathy, they suffered a lot of damage. They'd lost out on a, a potential win, etc. But they do seem to have squandered it, and it's it's very, very odd. I imagine Mercedes are, are delighted to see the uh, the general uh, sideshow that's been made of this, because it's been Red Bull that's been stoking this largely for the past few weeks We since Silverstone. We did have some comments from James Allison in a Mercedes video just stating their case, but mostly it has been Red Bull that have, have pushed this on.
1: I agree with what you're saying about Red Bull sort of being the... <sighs> the sort of verbal aggressor since since the incident, you know, went on the, really went on the offensive against Hamilton afterwards and criticised Mercedes as well. Verstappen laid into their celebrations they and then they wouldn't let it go either. Not just in, not just in terms of petitioning for the, for this review, but, but also in, you know, the comments that Christian Horner made in his column a few days after the, the, the clash. So, Red Bull have definitely been on the front foot, but, In the immediate aftermath of the stewards' verdict, it was Mercedes that went on the offensive with a really explosive follow-up response. Um, We know that the stewards had said that they noted with some concern certain allegations made by Red Bull in their document. But they didn't say what those allegations were. All that was noted that while the allegations may or may not have been relevant and may have been addressed directly in any decision had the petition for review been granted... The stewards decided not to comment on them because the petition has been dismissed. But obviously, simply including that in the document is begging for questions to to be asked. It's been included for a reason. They've obviously felt compelled to note it. Well, linked to this or not linked to this, Mercedes issued a statement shortly after the outcome, uh, which welcomed the stewards' verdict, but much more interestingly, criticised Red Bull's conduct. Their statement said that in addition to bringing this incident to a close... We hope that this decision will mark the end of a concerted attempt by the senior management of Red Bull Racing to tarnish the good name and sporting integrity of Lewis Hamilton, including in the documents for their unsuccessful right of review. So when I read that initially, that indicated the allegations may have been an assertion that Hamilton hit Verstappen on purpose because in everything Red Bull said after the Grand Prix, they called Hamilton dirty, desperate, amateur. They never explicitly Accused Hamilton of intentionally taking Verstappen out. So the indication there, because they've they've talked about trying to tarnish Hamilton's name and integrity, and they've referenced the documents that have been submitted. the The implication is that that is where Red Bull finally formally said we think that this was intentional. But apparently that isn't the case. I don't know what I don't know what it was that Mercedes was angered by, but it, I, I believe it's something else in Red Bull's submission. But whatever it is, it has emboldened Mercedes to go properly on the offensive This with this now because they know, further to what we were saying just before, they've claimed the high ground now. They've somehow flipped a situation where their driver has taken another driver out and I can say that because Hamilton was deemed predominantly to blame for the incident and was punished for the incident. And here we are at the next race and Mercedes are winning. If you look at this as a PR war, Mercedes is winning comfortably and it's not going to stop here it's obviously get this is i'm fascinated to see how this how this escalates how this escalates now and the big unanswered question is okay so what is it that Riddle included in their initial documents or whatever it was the letter to the fia over this to anger mercedes in this way and as as they've accused Attempted to tarnish Hamilton's reputation
0: it does puzzle me because you might think the the PR wars are relevant, but remember Red Bull at heart it's a spectacularly effective marketing company, isn't it? So it's and it, well, it's, and it's got a team in F one specifically to boost its brand, not to be smashed. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the curious thing. So that's why I find it a little bit a little bit strange. Look, I've got no problem with Red Bull being unhappy about the accident. Of course, they're going to be unhappy. They feel that they were wronged, and you can make an argument. Like I've said before, I can understand the argument for giving Hamilton a penalty. I'd never argue Stappen should have a penalty for it. Happy with racing incident. It's done a lot of damage. It's cost them a lot of points. And there's nothing wrong with them seeking a right to review. But if you're going to do it, do it properly and with a chance of getting it through. So this is what I find really, really curious. It's almost like they've got such a head of steam of anger about it, sort of righteous indignation about About the whole situation. They just feel like they had some some right to to push it through. Obviously, Mercedes, now they've been given this high ground, have gone in quite heavily. I mean, concerted attempt to tarnish Lewis Hamilton, maybe a little bit strong, but you can see why they're saying that. So it's just a glorious war of words now, isn't it? Because this is all played out and it is going to have an impact on the dynamic in the Championship. There's no question about that. We also had the drivers talking about it today as well at the Hungara Ring. Yeah,
1: um, Hamilton mainly. Sort of doubling down on everything he said after the British Grand Prix, you know, in response to the criticism about the celebrations, he said that he didn't know that Max was actually in hospital being checked. All his information was that Max was out of the car and okay. And also it was just an emotional moment, you know, it was a capacity crowd, the first such crowd in Formula 1 since the COVID-19 pandemic started. Silverstone had two races last year, no, no fans at either of those events. And Hamilton's just won a race that's launched him back into title contention. So so he just says he got caught up in the moment. It, it's not like he was a premeditated, I'm going to celebrate to rub Verstappen's face in it. So that that's what Hamilton was saying. Verstappen, obviously, we hadn't heard from properly because he was in hospital having these precautionary checks after the race last time. And all we've had from him since then is the tweet that came out where he criticised Hamilton and then some sort of lukewarm comments in Red Bull's official previews. So this is the first time we've heard from Max, and unsurprisingly, doesn't think he did anything wrong, think ha- thinks Hamilton was totally responsible for it. He's surprised that the, the stewards apportioned any element of blame to him, because as I said earlier, Hamilton was deemed predominantly to blame, to blame, not wholly to blame, so that does fundamentally imply that there was a per- percentage of blame on, on Verstappen's side. He rejects that entirely. Uh, he rejects the... The suggestion that he's aggressive he rejects any comparisons to other incidents like spain turn one when he launched one down the inside of hamilton at the start um or portugal last year where he went he had a run in in with lance stroll that led christian horner to basically describe that incident in exactly the same way mercedes was describing the incident from hamilton's point of view at, at silverstone so yeah, a proper war of words and an indication that neither of them have learned anything from it, to be honest. Both of them adamant that they were in the right. Both of them adamant that the other was in the wrong. Both of them adamant that they'd do exactly the same thing again. So I guess we're going to be here in a couple of weeks' time, or a few weeks' time, sort of reflecting on yet another crash, yet another bit of ridiculous fallout. But if that if that ever did happen, I, I would be amazed if we end up discussing a review of this uh, tenuous... Uh, tenuous quality
0: it's interesting because they both say they wouldn't have done anything differently had they been in that situation again but clearly there were things both of them could have done differently and done better obviously Verstappen would have covered off the inside better he thought he covered it he hadn't Hamilton of course would have wanted to keep the car a little bit tighter there's things they'd have wanted to do so there's always things you can learn from it but it's become so polarized and confrontational hasn't it which is why it's going to be brilliant the next time they're they're together on track battling, because it will happen at some stage, even if it's just on a, a first lap again and in slightly different circumstances, but it creates a fascinating dynamic because on top of that racing driver need to be ahead, and that's the whole point of the race, there's now this whole history underpinning it of who was right, who was wrong. Both sides appear to feel a certain amount of uh, dissatisfaction and grievance over the whole thing, so it's, it, it ramps up the whole thing. And it might pop into their heads next time they're next time they're battling. It's very easy to to be critical of tiny decisions. You know, Hamilton running a little bit wider from the apex than he might have liked to. Very, very small judgment call. First lap, heavy tanks, tires, front tires probably not quite there. Tricky one to to judge. So it's not it's not a great a great crime. And Verstappen likewise, not quite covering it. You know, he could have been a fraction earlier in covering the inside. These are these are tiny criticism but it's going to it's going to impact the rest of the season because I can't imagine we're going to go through as many as 14 more races I think we could have 13 more races depending on the calendar without them crossing swords at least a few times
1: yeah well it, because this incident wasn't caused by Hamilton hunting down Verstappen in an equal car and then you know launching that move on the last lap it was the opposite it was him suspecting he had an inferior car and that if he didn't get in front Verstappen would just drive away so he was close enough and aggressive enough on the opening lap to keep Verstappen on his toes for the first few corners and then get the sort of run that allowed him to send one down the inside. So even if Hamilton has a slower car for the rest of the season and never out-qualifies Verstappen, that this could happen at every single race. As long as Hamilton is in just enough range to be able to contest the same piece of track, at some point this year, they will contest the same piece of track again. It might even be this weekend. And just because we won't have a complete replica of what happened at Silverstone doesn't mean that there's not going to be another
0: flashpoint of some variety. It's very interesting to, to suppose what might happen should that arise again. They're both very, very, very good wheel-to-wheel drivers. Verstappen's, Verstappen, he, you know, he says he's not an aggressive driver. I think he's an aggressive driver in a positive way, not, not violent or extreme. I think he makes calculated risks and he makes them pay off most of the time. So he will be trying to do that. Hamilton as well will be trying to do it and also know that he might feel that he can draw Verstappen into what he sees as a mistake in a similar situation again. So who's who's got the uphand? I actually don't know which of those two in that that specific scenario will be better off, which is what this is all about actually, isn't it? It's two great drivers testing each other, pushing each other, and it's just been ramped up another notch. Well,
1: Hamilton's up against a rival who for the first time – in a very long time, has a car that's better than him, and is also a driver who may well actually be his match behind the wheel and who is aggressive. I think Verstappen says he's not aggressive, he's a hard racer, but I think he uses hard racer in the way that we're using aggressive. He, Nothing wrong with being yeah, aggressive. No, exactly. It, it's not it, he I think he probably is taking that to mean oh he barges people out the way and stuff like that. I think it just means he's a hard racer, which which is what he thinks. And Verstappen's up against a driver who And I'm trying to think, uh, with the exception of Leclerc at Silverstone in 2019, very, very, very few drivers have stood up to Verstappen on track. Most of the time, the opposition yields because they know that Verstappen doesn't take any compromises. And that means if you don't yield, chances are you're risking contact. Most people get out of the way. Leclerc fell foul of that in Austria in 2019 when Verstappen won. learned his lesson and the next race at Silverstone got his elbows out and didn't let Verstappen have his own way and this is the first time that Hamilton has left his car in a position where he knows it's Verstappen who will come off worse if Verstappen doesn't yield so I think they're both facing unusual situations situations they don't know exactly how to deal with and in the context of a title battle that as you said it's all ramped up because you've got so many split seconds de- split second decisions that previously drivers are doing on instinct because they're racing in the moment but all it's going to take is briefly thinking on the run to turn 1 this weekend what happened the last time they were wheel to wheel and all of a sudden you, it's not happening naturally there are conscious decisions being made instead of unconscious decisions and it just becomes it, it just becomes a another level of risk and i just think that just I think that elevates the entire championship battle. I don't want to see a repeat of Silverstone with a a car being flung into the barriers at 51G. But I do want to see these two go wheel-to-wheel. And if neither of them have really learned anything and they hit each other again, all the more for
0: us to talk about. Yeah, it's just part of the championship fight, isn't it? And what you talked about there, the whole talk about, call it what you will, aggressive being a hard race for Verstappen, is at the heart of why actually we need some of these things to be racing incidents because there has to be like that give and take and that that chance where a great driver can say to another great right, Are you going to yield or not? Doesn't mean you can bulldoze people out of the way. And that and that's not what Hamilton did to Verstappen at, at Cops, even though that kind of was the, the the outcome because it did put the Red Bull into the barriers. But that's what we want to see, we'll see them testing each other, which is just brilliant. But and that's why it's almost so unseemly that off track we've got this sort of general bickering going on. Red Bull Putting together a, a series of presumably weird PowerPoint presentations with a, a some kind of fictionalised account of what was going on and their interpretation of it, just reinterpreting evidence that was already available. It's just, the difference in between that kind of sporting challenge on the track and then this stuff going on off the track is it, it's amusing. It's very clear from what the stewards said that they weren't particularly happy with what with with Red Bull in terms of how they've they bought they bought the review and the, whatever the allegations they may have may have made or they do appear to have made. So, yeah, just a really, really just hyped up intense situation. I mean, hyped up in terms of both sides are, are getting really sort of energised and sort of a hair trigger, shall we say, which is great for a, a championship battle. So I'm all for them having another battle at the first corner at the Hungarian. Wouldn't that be brilliant to see how they... Uh, how they act in that situation. Again, two Titans going at it.
1: I think I said before that I actually think that turn two at the Hungara ring is the sort that's more likely to do it because I think in turn one, you can kind of get away with it. Turn two, when it's just, I'm sure I said this on our post British Grand Prix podcast, but turn two is just absolutely ripe for you to run your drive, run your rival out of room. And I can see both of them being nowhere near the apex of turn two. If someone's attacking on the outside.
0: Yeah, there's every opportunity for something to happen again this weekend. And if it doesn't, there's plenty more races after the summer break in what's proven to be a spectacular title fight. Do head to therace.com to follow the ongoing war of words, as well as all the action from the Hungaroring. The Race F1 podcast will be back after the race with everything you need to know about the Hungarian Grand Prix.